0: Hello, faithful warriors, listeners of the Everyday Life Bible Study Podcast. I am so glad to have you join me today as we talk about Jesus. I called you a faithful warrior because, you know, faith is a fight. It is often a fight. It comes alongside words like God's love and His grace and His mercy Yet Paul says that in order to stand firm in our faith, we need to put on the full armor of God. And so I want to commend you as daily when you face the challenges, the struggles of this world, the, the, the arrows of our enemy, that you stand firm in faith. You fight the good fight of faith. So God bless you, faithful warrior. And thanks for listening to this Bible Study Podcast today. If you enjoy this podcast, if it's been a blessing to your life, then I invite you to head over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, let people know that you're here, let people know that that this podcast is a blessing to your life, and uh, I would greatly appreciate that. It really does help as we try to get the word out for this podcast. But today I want to get straight to the word uh, man, I'm really excited about it, uh, just what we're going to be talking about today. Um, it's not, not an easy word. Matter of fact, uh, in this passage of Scripture, we're going to be in John chapter 6, uh, it talks about how this was a hard saying that a lot of people couldn't handle what Jesus was saying. And today, my goal, my prayer is that you would be challenged uh, as well. So if uh, it feels like I'm throwing some darts at you, I'm really not. Um, I love you and I'm praying for you. And today is something that I think most of us would say, man, that's, that's exactly what I needed to hear. So, um, anyways, let's look at John chapter six, but I want to start out, uh, just kind of where I'm at in life right now. Um, yesterday I put out a post, a Facebook post, just talking about motivation for health, for fitness. I, I uh, that's where I struggled. That's where I've been struggling. There are times in my life, boy, when I set my mind to it, I'm not going to be deterred. Um, I have I have gotten healthy. I have gotten fit. I have accomplished things because of just sheer determination and motivation. Um, food is kind of that Achilles heel for me, particularly carbs, uh, bread and par. Carbs are good. All right. <laughs> I love them. We eat way too many for our general health, um, but uh, man, I just love bread. Who doesn't love fresh bread? The, the the baking smell of fresh baked bread is is one of the most pleasing scents on this planet. Um, uh, I'm trying to overcome though my addiction to carbs, sugar, sugary stuff isn't really my thing. Uh, it's carbs. Um, you might even call me a connoisseur, connoisseur of carbs. I love different kinds of breads and pastas. Um, but part of getting healthy, I believe is limiting carbs and getting the right kinds of carbs. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm running a race or something we, we carb load and things like that. And that's, that's my favorite part of training, but how does one kick the carb addiction? Uh, is anyone with me on this? I, I, I think it takes a shift in focus what do you want? Do you want the bread or do you want health? Certainly, like I said, bread and carbs are a good part of life, but we do eat way too many for ourselves here. It's a, it's a shift in mindset, a focus that gives us the motivation to stop consuming them so much. Really, the whole key to losing weight, reclaiming health is a shift of focus. And for me, initially, it's this carb addiction that is that first big shift in focus. Changing what we're looking at. There's a conversation that Jesus had that centers around carbs, actually. Uh, People were addicted to carbs. Well, okay, not really carbs, but bread. And not just bread. They just wanted to keep getting things from Jesus. These are the same. This is the same group of people that experienced the blessing because they were part of the 5,000 that Jesus fed, actually, the 10 to 15,000. You can go back a couple of messages ago, a couple of podcasts ago, and listen to that. But Jesus, afterwards, he dismissed them. He prayed and grieved for his cousin John because he had died. He crossed the lake, he walked on water. Then they came back and, and and were looking for him. And you'd think this is a good thing that Jesus would have welcomed. Yes, they love me. They, they, they can't get enough of me. Jesus had been with these people for a while. He taught them. He healed them, fed them, cared for them. But at some point in our lives, Jesus will address our issues. Up to this point, he was teaching them. He was loving them. He was healing them and feeding them all of these wonderful things. Like I just repeated myself there. But once again, it bears repeating that at some point in our lives, Jesus wants to address our issues. He meets our needs and brings comfort into our lives, but that's really not the goal. The goal is to know him, to become like him. They wanted him to continue to bless them. They enjoyed the blessing of following Jesus. I mean, who wouldn't, right? And we do the same. This passage speaks of itself as a hard teaching. After everything was said and done in this passage, people couldn't hang anymore. And we're, again, we're in John chapter six. People couldn't hang anymore because Jesus was saying some hard things, not quite as palatable as the delicious bread He had given them. This 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 teaching here was was a hard teaching to write. Today is somewhat of a hard teaching for us to hear so I hope you understand and and convinced of my love and care for you. Listen, uh many uh maybe most people come to God because of crisis in their lives. Um absolutely. It it's it's not a bad way. Of course, you know, we'd always love to do things under better circumstances, but um but crisis leads us to think about God. We're in the middle, uh, middle, I hope we're way past the middle of the coronavirus stay-at-home order right now. As I'm talking this, I'm, I'm quarantined at home, um, talking in my office here right now. Um, and uh, it's a crisis for a lot of people. Um, it, it's created crisis in a lot of arenas. There's people who are losing jobs, there's family issues, there's financial issues, there's health issues, obviously. Um, there's just a general mass hysteria going on uh, over this. But um, people are thinking more about God because crisis uh, causes us to do that. And people come to God many, maybe even most, because of this, cri- this kind of crisis in their lives. Jesus meets the need, crisis over, and a lot of people just stop following. Well, un- until at least there's another need. Because to many Christians today, Jesus is nothing more than a means to be blessed. I mean, that's why he came in the first place, right? I came to give you life, life abundantly, I want to bless you, right? Right. Well, Jesus is trying to shift the people's focus off of the physical bread and onto the bread of life that was standing before them, off of what will just benefit me, and on to having my life actually changed. <clears throat> my question to you, to you today are is, why are you following Jesus? Are you following him because you want him to take away your problems? And this is just a very introspective type of a question here that only you can really answer because a lot of people follow him um, and it's just, it's just crisis after crisis, one crisis uh, here, uh, one fire put out here. Oh, we got another fire. And, and that's, that's their relationship with Jesus. Do you just want him to take away your problems? Are you following him because you want him to fix your marriage or because he fed you in some way? I mean, praise God for that. He certainly can do those things, but what about when hardship really comes? Do we easily lose faith? You know, many people quit because they say, man, I just, I just didn't sign up for this. You know, life was supposed to be good. Where's the blessing? Where's the bread? And Jesus says, look, don't work for food that spoils. Things that will satisfy you for just a while. There is a food that endures to eternal life. I'll give it to you if you just shift your focus off yourself for a while. Look up and recognize the bread of life that's right in front of you. Jesus. Let me, let me read this here. Um, verse 26 of John chapter six. Yes. We're actually getting, getting to the, to the Bible here. Let me back up to verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered very truly. I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill, not because, uh, you believe that I'm somebody special but because I met your need, you know, it's all about you. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. For on him, God, the father has placed his seal of approval, the seal of approval. What does it take to get God's seal of approval? Men in particular are like this. I, I I don't pretend to try to speak for women here, so this may apply to women just the same as it does for men. But I know it does for men, so uh, bear with me in this. Men are like this. What what do I need to do uh, to gain approval? Men are doers. A job well done gets rewarded, right? We earn raises, we earn favor with people, titles, privilege. But what do I need to do to get that? with God. And this question has plagued mankind and the church, and their question is the same as ours. Then they asked him, verse 28, what, what, must be, what must we do to do the works God requires? What do I have to do to earn God's seal of approval? Because seals of approval must be earned, right? Jesus, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Teach me how to be a good Christian and and that's what I will do. So Jesus gave them a very direct answer. He answered in verse 29, the work of God is this and has nothing to do with actual work. It's easy, but it's not what people want to do. His answer is to believe in the one he has sent. What do I need to do in order to gain God's approval? Tell me, because I have this approval addiction in my life, you know, and if I, and when I do things that are good, I, I I get accolades from people and I get pats on the back and all of these kinds of things. And I, and I need that. And he says, look, it's the work is no work at all. Just believe <clears throat> I'd rather a lot of, I'd rather do a lot of work for God. So I can earn my way into heaven, you know. Uh, Rich Mullins is one of my has has been one of my favorite Christian singer songwriters. Um, he died tragically in the '90s, but um, he wrote a song called "Hold Me, Jesus," and just about every every line in that song is is just yes, that's that's it right there. But one line that he has in that song says, "I'd rather fight you for something I don't really want." then take what you give and I need. You know, it, it, it's it's like we don't really want to live this thing. This happens all the time today. Jesus is asking that people just believe in him. Believing in him means to accept him, embrace him for for who he really is. The Messiah, the savior of the world, the son of God, the one that we need, the only one mediator between God and man who we need to remove our sins, that barrier between us and the father to make him the Lord of our lives, and then to do what he says, right? But we don't want that. We want the bread. We want him to feed us. Lord, fix my marriage. Fix me. Fix my mood and my happiness, my finances, my body. And our focus is on food that spoils. Immediate things, things that are temporary. Do you often find, do you find at all that, that the focus of your prayers basically amount to a focus on food that spoils? More often than not, when God moves in those temporary situations, he's still more concerned about eternal things. When Jesus fed them and healed them and taught them and things, you know, He He met a felt need in their lives. This is the needs that, that they had that they felt were immediate and very important. But and so he met those needs. But the goal was that a door would be open into their lives for him. I, I stand at the door and knock, let me in. That's why he doesn't always work things out in the way we want him to. That's why some things continue to go undone, because he's more concerned about you than your situation. Now, Jesus happily fed these people, and his idea is because he loves and has compassion on people and wants to lead us to more. From having our attention only on ourselves, that's kind of our natural default, right? Right. To really knowing him and changing our lives, changing our focus, believing in him, embracing his way of life. And Jesus wants people to believe in him. So they respond with, okay, show us something else and then we'll believe in you. Man, they were just chasing that next carrot, right? Never mind that he just fed all of them until they were full with just five loaves of bread and two fish. Never mind that he healed all of the sick among them. He'd already done so much, and, and still they were asking for more, for a sign. But I, I, I have a, I'm, I, I'm hungry again, you see. The rent is due again. or we, we had another fight. And so, God, if you want me to believe in you, you've you got to show up. And Jesus says, look, shift your focus. Get your attention off the bread that will go bad. Bread that will simply pass through your body after you've absorbed way too many carbs. I've come to give you more than that. I've come to give you life. I want to give you so much more and better than a full belly. I want, I, I want you to be full of me. And you're going to have to consume me. Let's look at uh, verse 53 here, way on down. It's a long chapter. Jesus said to them, "'Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day, for my flesh is real food.'" And my blood is real drink, not just temporary, but real. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them, just as a living father sent me and I live because of the father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Hard teaching, right? Eat my flesh. What? It was unattractive, even repulsive to the people. And it's the same for many today. Really consuming Jesus. I mean, hook, line, and sinker all into Jesus is just unattractive and even repulsive to a lot of people today. It's just viewed as radical. Got to have a balance, right? This doesn't sound like balance. This sounds like all in. What does this mean? You no, know, I have a jack in my truck not a man named Jack, <laughs> um, but a jack, that, the accessory that 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 jacks the car up if I have a flat tire or something. I have a jack in my truck. It's an accessory, as I said. It's not an option. It came with the truck. I didn't ask for it. Uh, it wasn't one of those features that, you know, you check a box, say, oh, okay, just put a jack in there. That's That's fine. I'll pay extra for that. It's not like that that when you buy a vehicle, it comes with a jack uh, no matter what. Now, I don't think about that jack on a regular basis. I lost um, something. I think it was an Air, one, one of my AirPods underneath my front seat on the passenger side. And in my truck, that's where the jack is. And so I actually thought, oh, that's a good reminder of where the jack is because it's not a normal spot compared to other vehicles I've had. But I don't think about that jack on a regular basis, not much at all, actually, because I know I can use it if I need it. If I need it, it's there. And many people treat Jesus just like the jack in their vehicle, going through life just fine, doing whatever they want, not thinking much about Jesus, if at all, until they encounter a blowout on life's highway. Then they're in church, man, we're saying amen, we're praying at the altar, oh, pray for me. Look, Jesus is not an accessory to life. He is life. And that's a problem that many people have. That's why this teaching is so hard. It requires people to make a change and live their lives according to God's way through Jesus. And many Christians simply don't want to do that. We'd rather have a list of things to do in order to earn God's seal of approval than actually really take it to heart and live it. But that list of things to do just that doesn't exist. You know, we, we we take communion in little shot glasses, right? Just like it's not even a shot glass, it's like a, a fourth of a shot glass, just a little shot of Jesus juice. And he's but he's calling us to consume and take him in fully into our lives. And then he looks at his disciples. By this time, the twelve disciples finally came to realize who Jesus was. Um, where is this? Sorry for my, uh, my pause here. I'm looking to find where in the scripture it is, which verse. Okay, uh, verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And because he had a whole lot more than twelve disciples, it was the twelve was kind of the inner circle that he called the apostles, and then he even had an inner circle of the twelve, uh, of four. Uh, but um, but uh, there was a lot of people who followed him, and then there was the great crowd. From this time on, many of his disciples, after this hard teaching, turned back and no longer followed him. And then he looked at the twelve, and he says, "You don't want to leave too, do you?" That. But this time, by this time, the, the 12 finally came to realize who Jesus was, he, that he was more than just a good teacher, more than just someone who did amazing things, more than just someone who, who fed hungry people. When he walked on the water and he called out to Peter to walk with him on the lake, they exclaimed, truly, you are the son of God. And when we come to that conclusion, it demands more from us. When the entire crowd turned their back on him, Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, Are you going to leave me too? And then Peter's response. Man, I love this. Simon Peter answered him on behalf of the rest of the 12. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Through everything that Jesus did, there was there was those times when they, well, there was a time when Jesus said, follow me. And they said, okay, I, this guy could be somebody. I'll I'll follow him. And then he started doing some pretty amazing things. And it's, okay, this guy truly is somebody. That's for sure. This guy could be the Messiah. And then they finally came to this point to say, no, he's the Messiah. And he's not just my idea of who the Messiah ought to have been. See, they were looking for a political ruler messiah in the flesh in the natural not a supernatural son of god messiah but they came to believe no you are the messiah more than that you are the son of god they had a different focus words of life eternal focus we believe in you in who you are therefore we're going to follow you anywhere Notice that the change in the 12, when he calmed the sea, they they said, who is this man? And when he fed the 5,000, and like I said, when he called Peter out on the lake, truly, you're the son of God. Now they're in another challenging moment. People are leaving Jesus. And up to this point, he was treated like a rock star. Okay. Now they're repulsed by him. See how, how quickly the crowds can change. As everyone's walking away, he asked them, I know I'm repeating myself, are you also going to leave? But notice the reaction. Now they're finally not freaking out. When when they encountered the storm on on the lake, don't you care if we're going to drown? They're they're freaking out. When he asked them to feed the 5,000 men, plus all of their women and children, their wives and children, uh, they said, we can't do that. They freaked out. Now, when all of this happens and everybody's leaving him, which can be the most frightening challenge that they've faced yet when everybody walks away, now they're finally not freaking out. Now they're in the middle of a crisis and they calmly respond, no, we're staying because we know who you are. You're the Messiah. You alone have the words of eternal life. We believe in you. Our faith in you is greater than anything we see around us. Do you, are you getting the difference now? Are you getting the difference? Who is Jesus to you? You know, he's, he's, is he a sugar daddy? You know, is he somebody that just, just meets crises in your life, that, 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 that puts out fires in your life? Is that who he is? Or do you see him for who he really is? He is the Messiah. He is the son of God. He is our only hope, the mediator between God and man. He's the one that makes me right before God. He's the one that, that uh, if I follow him, he's going to get me through to the end of this life and into my heavenly reward. So it doesn't matter what goes on around me. I'm still going to follow him. Do you have stuff going on in your life right now and it's consuming you? Sometimes it's so easy to not be able to see anything else. Can't talk about anything else. And we're wondering, man, God, why are you letting this happen happen? Stop seeking food that spoils. Lift up your eyes to the bread of heaven. Jesus, I believe in you. I don't like this. This is going on. I have a need in my life. I'm hungry again. We we had another fight. Uh, I lost my job. I have a health crisis whatever it is, you know, and sometimes it may feel like it comes it, it sometimes it is that it comes wave after wave. But Lord, I know who you are. And I believe in you and I follow you and I'm not going to turn around because turn turn around and walk away because I know you alone are the way of eternal life. Man, I love you all. I hope that this um this podcast today has been very um one that would make you stop and think about our own about your own life boy i know it does mine because it's so easy to get our eyes onto what's going on around us and just lift up our hands and go god why but when we're convinced about who jesus is then we can calmly face whatever storm whatever crisis comes and say I'm following you. I trust you. I believe in you. And it's amazing what that does when we finally come to that place. So God bless you, faithful warrior. I love you. I'm praying for you. Thanks for listening today. Once again, if this has been a blessing to you, please go over to iTunes. Give us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate that. In the meantime, my prayer for you every day is that the Word of God would become alive in your everyday world.